0: listeners and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Glow West where we chat about sex, sexuality and the body. As usual I'm your host Dr Caroline West and I'm always delighted to be part of the Tortoise Shack Network where you can find tons of content on society, culture, politics and of course my favourite topic of sex. If you like what we do please do consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash tortoise to help keep the, the mics up and running or if you like please pop over to Apple or Spotify now to rate and review as that really does does help get the word out about the podcast and you make me very very happy which is always a lovely thing to do. So today I have the author of an absolutely fabulous new book here to chat all about the wonders of what it's like to write a book about sex education and we always love really good books about sex education on this podcast. So today I'm talking to Grace Alice O'Shea who has been a sex and relationship educator for over six years and is the author of this fabulous new book called Sex Sex educated, She originally trained as an occupational therapist at University College Cork before completing her master's in health promotion at NUI Galway. She's currently training with the Somatica Institute to become a sex and relationships coach. And she's very passionate about delivering sex and intimacy education and pe- to people of all ages. Education which is empowering, positive, sex positive, comprehensive, education based and evidence based and rooted in empathy and kindness which is a lovely combination of absolutely everything. So Grace how are you today? Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm all good. All good.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. That's what we like to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, This book is amazing. First of all, the cover is so fun. It's a lovely um, for those, you know, we'll put a a picture on the Instagram, but it's a lovely blue book with just Mm. lovely colours. But the word sex is pretty big on it. Smack bang in the middle.
1: It is. It's really big. And I think I had that vision for ages where we had this amazing illustrator, Kira Coogan, and she's based in Galway. And she just brought the book to life completely. Like her illustrations are just stunning. Um, And I always just had this vision of putting taking loads of elements of the illustrations and fitting them into um, S-E-X those big letters and I really like the way it turned out it's um, it's kind of like a little hint of what you'll find inside the book yeah. you know that's that's what it's supposed to kind of look like so yeah Thank super you. colorful.
0: So if you are the type to judge a book by a cover you're doing well in this particular situation <laughs> so that's all good. So you wrote this as part of Sexual Health West so talk to us about them and their wiser program that they have.
1: Yeah, of course. So I worked for Sexual at West and Wiser for um yeah, over five years and They basically, Sexual Out West, are based in Galway City and they would have started out uh, back in the 80s, you know, where the kind of AIDS crisis was happening. And they would have started out as a support service for people with HIV um, and or AIDS. And then their role developed over the years and they started delivering uh, sex and relationships education. So all over Connacht, um, they go to a huge amount of schools, primary and secondary, and their education programme is called WISE so WISER stands for West of Ireland Sexuality Education Resource so I was on the WISER team for years as an educator and they do obviously fantastic work and the way the book came about was at uh, the end of every session we would deliver in schools, we would give the students chances to ask anonymous questions. And um, that was always my favorite part of the job. I love anonymous questions. I just live for them. They're brilliant. And they really get into, you know, what, what what the young people really want to know and maybe are afraid to ask. And I was in the job, I would say, so I suppose it must have been about two years I was like there's there's just gold in these questions like people need to know what young people are actually asking and I kind of got to thinking how could we how could we use the questions and then one thing led to another you know you have the seed of an idea and then it kind of slowly takes shape and it became just this essentially index of I've never counted how many questions are in this book but I'm I mean there's definitely hundreds there's like, definitely. a lot yeah <laughs> I mean
0: what are we at we're at uh, like over 400 pages I think
1: for yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, 40 440
0: pages that's yeah. huge like this yeah. is like a doorstop of a book which is fantastic because I love that because it, it a lot of sex ed books you know as great as they can be it's hard to cover everything you know it's just sex is just such a huge area and then you add in things like gender and bodies and periods Mm. and all this thing it's like You'd write a book for like, you know, 100,000 pages and we still wouldn't cover everything. But 440 pages, there is a lot in that. So, but before we dive into, you know, what the book is about and everything, you have a a message from the president of Ireland (laughs) at the start of the book. Like, that is legendary. Like, tell me all about that, because that's that's incredible. And that's incredible progress for a country like Ireland, who historically has been very weird about sex.
1: Yeah, it really is, isn't it? I remember seeing it come in and I was just delighted. Um, so President uh, Michael D. Higgins has been a um, patron of Sexual at West for years, you know, back to when it was uh, named AIDS West. So always has been a big, big supporter of their work. Um, and I think, you know, he's a very, very progressive um, president as presidents go, I think, you know, and always has an interest in young people. And I feel has certainly gotten that across um, when he speaks, you know, and I think there's an enormous amount of respect for him in the country, especially when you look at other people's presidents and you're like, Oh God. Um, But, you know, I know the role is a bit different in Ireland, but it was so exciting to get that. And, you know, the thing about it is as well, is that we're, we're very conscious that, you know, as a parent, for example, you might be worried about, okay, how much information does my child need? What age? What is age appropriate? And you might be looking at a book like this and thinking, oh, you know, I don't know. Is it, you know, should I give it to them? Should I not? Is it too much? And just having that kind of seal of approval from such a respected figure was great because it just, it just hammered home that this is about health. This is about wellness. This is about social justice. Like, you know, it's, it's not some, you know, just uh, what would you say, frivolous book about about sex, or like and...
0: sleazy or anything. Yeah. Like sleaze is good in its place. Like its, sleaze, its place. you know, has <laughs> its yeah. has its moments. But this is not a sleazy, salacious kind of book. So. No. Yeah, I think it's a nice kind of stamp of legitimacy or something on
1: it. So, yeah, because as as much as we knew that it was legitimate and it's such valuable work and such important work. And we we did believe in this resource in this book from day one. We were kind of like, yeah, there's there's a gap for this because we were always getting parents and teachers asking us for recommendations for resources. And we're like, what, you know, why not create one? So but there's still that, you know, resistance in Ireland around discussing sex. And when you add in teenagers to that discussion, sometimes people just they they just freak out. You know, they're just there's a lot of fear around it. There's a lot of shame. Um, so, yeah, just to get, as you said, that kind of stamp of um approval or support was so important it was great
0: yeah absolutely and I want to go to the the, the shame part there I suppose is it touched on quite a lot in the book but you also touch on a lot about the meaning of normal and this is like one of the most frequent questions that I know I've gotten in my sex ed work is like what's normal is it normal to do xyz And like people are really, really focused on that. And they just want to know that everything they're doing is okay. But talk me through why there is such a huge focus in the book of like, I suppose, smashing through that, that meaning of like, here is what normal sex and sexuality and gender is.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was so important to include that as a theme throughout. And it came it came quite organically, like when I sat down, because what I did was I just I made a skeleton of all the questions and then just started answering them so you know there was no big okay this is our main theme it's just I wanted it just to okay see how it comes out in the writing and it kept coming up over and over again because it kept getting asked in the questions just like what you said and I think um, anywhere that shame is allowed to flourish and shame is allowed to grow you're going to have very negative outcomes for people individually and as a society so talking about something as taboo and I'm using you know quotation marks because is it really taboo is sex taboo you know it's why most of us are here but you know talking about something about sex while placing the emphasis on on diversity and how different our bodies can be how different our experiences can be And how normal that is, was just so important because I remember saying to the team, I remember saying, I want this book to be the book that I needed when I was a teenage Grace. I want this book to feel like a hug. And I kept using that um, sentence over and over because it just felt right to me. And to this day, I'm like, I hope it feels like a hug. And I think when you have connection and when you have empathy and when you have someone telling you no, you're good. You're normal. You're fine. You're wonderful. Then shame just gets squashed. Like it just doesn't have the the air to grow then. Um, so, yeah, it was just so important.
0: That, no, it really is, because it it's definitely had a lot of air to grow in, in many countries around the world as well. And I think, you know, when we don't have that that freedom and that fear about like, are we normal are we not normal? then we have myths that kind of grow into those gaps as yeah. well and a lot of them can be you know you've got a few bits in in the book about myths about oh how can you get pregnant can you get pregnant giving a blowjob and things like that so what what kind of myths you tackle in the book or that you would hear a lot from young people now because again you know a lot of people growing up who would be from a a different generation wouldn't have had the internet so Mm -hmm. they get myths from their friends but now just because we have google doesn't necessarily mean people are getting the right kind of sex education out there there's still a lot of bad sex education out there in many 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 places but so talk me through the myths part of things and and what what are young people hearing or they just are really confused
1: about that's the thing and it's the thing that hit me most when I started this work years ago I went into this at whatever way I suppose I was in my early 20s at that point I went into it and thought these young people are going to know everything they're going to know more than me you know I just had this kind of almost imposter syndrome like what do I have to offer them they grew up with Google and I was genuinely just so shocked at the amount of myths that are still alive today. I still get asked about Blue Waffle. You know, I mean that's that's, that's wild. Like tw- Twenty years old or something, even more. Like yeah, um, I remember writing about MSN on that. Like uh, you know, what is Blue Waffle to someone? Um, w- what age would I have been? Fourteen or something? You know, it, it's amazing what can still hang around. But myths around, you know. Even the first time sex um, will always hurt and you'll always bleed if you're someone who has a vulva. Um, myths around pregnancy, around being in jacuzzis, and then the sperm can come out and swim up your vagina. And like, I, I again, I'm just sitting there years later thinking, why is this stuff still around? Like, how how is this happening? But although yes, there okay, so there are things that have uh, survived the test of time and kind of misconceptions, but. I do find young people are more informed about um, things relating to gender, to sexuality, to identity, kind of things like that. Um, Now, obviously, we know a lot of young people have turned to porn in the absence of good sound sex education, or sometimes they just watch it because they're curious and there's loads of reasons people might watch it. But, you know, I think some stuff comes from there. Definitely. When you hear about, um, you know, when you get questions about certain sexual acts you know when certain phrases come to you and you're like you heard that important like you have to Uh, have seen that on (laughs) Pornhub you know um that's probably not now it could be coming from you know your brothers uh um, or your older friends brothers or whatever but like you know it's there's definitely a lot coming from there and again that's why it's so important to talk about The realities of sex and the diversity of our bodies and how a sexual experience might look and sound like, Um, because although they're very quite, quite media literate, I think generation, you know, the porn literacy isn't necessarily there either. No, I think it's not. And I I think,
0: again, it's like that. linking into shame and stigma as well or like you know if you're only seeing these gigantic penises in porn and that's the only time you see another penis like of course you might have questions about is that like you know a very common size or what's going on and like yeah it's it's not something that a lot of kids can ask their parents about just yet because like it's really hard for parents as well at the moment to try and figure out how do I have this conversation with my child about penis sizes in porn like that's hard
1: it is hard it's super hard and like you know I think porn as well um well mainstream porn let's say and 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 the 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 main porn that probably young people are accessing the free porn um it's all very serious you know sex is is this kind of olympic serious performance and Because I remember getting asked once, um, you know, it it was more than once, but I remember it was phrased, you know, is it okay if you smile during sex? And sadly, that I don't think that made the book because there were a lot of questions and we had to, we just had to narrow down some. But I remember thinking, oh my goodness, of course, smile as much as laugh, you know, like. it is and um yeah it just I I felt that that was definitely coming from and not just porn I suppose even sex like on screen in general you know your even your rom-coms and your game of thrones or whatever you know even depictions of sex there like they're not intended for sex education so they're never going to be realistic at all
0: yeah yeah well another is porn porn is not sex education but yeah or even it's missing like it's you know it's They'll show you kind of the before or the after. They don't quite yeah. show you the full kind of sexual experience sometimes. But um, yeah, it's sm- not like I almost wish they'd keep the blooper reels in in most foreign things, because that's probably the actors themselves going, oh, sorry, I just farted or I just fell off the bed or whatever. And like all of that is like normal stuff. That's what happens. But if you never see that, you probably think, yeah, it does have to be this like perfect serious performance um, and
1: yeah. it's not no exactly and I think that's where there's a whole section in Um, I think it's the sex chapter where it's kind of all about uh, norms and it's like how long should I last what sounds should I make you know even do you need to be naked to have sex like all these kind of questions and so much of that is repetitive, but some things are worth repeating that you know, there are no shoulds with this stuff. Okay, we have we have some shoulds. you know, you should use protection or you 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 must ask for consent. But you know, so many of the shoulds are unnecessary. Um, and I think that particular section is is really important because it's it really breaks down that kind of warped version I think people have of sex in their heads sorry young people have um in their heads I know I had it even as a teen oh
0: completely um, like I think yeah. I, I think it'd be rare to find a person who hadn't yeah because you know your brain fills in the gaps when you don't have access to exactly decent education and I think like you know the shaming part is really really important and there is one bit that I thought was really interesting um that you talk about the body count and this is what people are worried about a lot of The time that, like, you know, oh, if I have sex with too many people, this makes me whatever, whatever it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. But like I think that's really backed up by a lot of the time you'll see in like women's magazines and they'll do a survey and people are like, what's the ideal amount of sexual partners over someone's life? And it's like some it's always really low. It's like five or something. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but if you're dating since you're like 16, 17 till like you're older, a lot of people that number's gonna be a lot higher than five for a lot of people. But it's very shaming because that's it's like it's meant to be normal then again air bunny mm. quotes are on that that like your number should be low but
1: it's yeah. hard for young
0: people to figure that out.
1: Of course it is and for then you know when you when you count the gendered pressures you have probably this pressure on men or people socialized as, as boys are meant to have a higher body count. I hate that term because it's like literally refers to a crime scene you know the of course, amount of dead yeah. bodies. Like, I'm like, why did we equate that with sex? But you know, we do that with language, and it's strange. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, there is shame attached to that a hundred percent and you know the the myths about the vagina are still going around that you know your vagina will get looser the more sex you have and um oh what was the other one something about you know that the vagina takes the shape of the latest penis that's been in it and <laughs> you're just there, like oh my god like it's not, you know it's not magic. Where do, I start? where do I start with this yeah. um you know imagine if we do that to people with penises oh you know your penis will get smaller like the more sex you have it would be absolutely bizarre so um but i do see i do see those attitudes i mean we have a way to go but i definitely feel that young people nowadays are copping on a lot more um maybe they have more positive examples of 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 kind of healthy discussions around sex because i'm actually re-watching sex in the city at the moment and there was a lot of shaming in that show I think there shamed was Samantha
0: so much I don't blame her for not being friends
1: with them no <laughs> like Samantha deserved better She oh my did god
0: just <laughs> as for Samantha and I'm pleased she's not coming back because she doesn't mm-hmm. deserve to be shamed like that but yeah they did um yeah I suppose if you look at some of those cultural references it is there is a lot of shame and stereotypes and and, and stuff like that and yeah, it's just very, very, very infuriating, I suppose. But you do you do kind of look at that in the book as well. Like, the, the idea of, like, digital sexuality is really important for a lot of people now because, yeah, we do live our lives online. We're sending nudes. We're, we're sexting. We're doing all this. And that's really hard for a lot of people to navigate as adults. But when we are young people and we don't necessarily have the wealth of experience and education and, and maybe parents that we can talk to or teachers we can talk to Mm -hmm. how are young people managing the whole world of digital sex it's it's just there's a lot going on
1: there is a lot going on. And I think as an educator, for me, it is a challenge to strike that balance between, you know, you don't want to go into that luxury mode where you're kind of saying, don't do this, never do that and scaring them and frightening them and and, and therefore kind of shaming them in a way. But you also want to make them aware of, of the risks and um, walking that it, it's almost like a tightrope. You and, and like, I think well, I believe the way it's written in the book does walk that quite well in that it very much highlights that, you know, let's not let's not do the victim blaming thing. Let's not do the slut shaming thing. If you've sent a picture, we don't want you to feel ashamed. There's reasons people share, you know, and it's they've again, they've grown up in the world of ipads and phones and so it's so quick to take a picture and just send it off like there you know we had yeah especially everyone whatever. else is doing it. oh my exactly. god
0: yeah yeah <laughs> you yeah, have to go into booths and go to the machine and like you know bring up your pictures and then press to print it and then like post it I said like a total dinosaur there but no no like, I know I know there's a remember. lot of hassle yeah. to,
1: to do so how are they yeah how are they navigating it is a good question I mean I think I think there's two sides to it. I think there I think there's a lot of pressure on on young people to engage in that behavior because it's so normalized again now it's so easy. Um and then at the same time I hope I hope that the kind of shaming stuff is lessening a little bit that like it mightn't be quite so bad as it was say when you were in school or when I was in school. Um and you know even in the book when I when I wrote about it it was very much about And again, breaking down the shame. Okay, maybe you've done this already. And and that's nothing to be ashamed about. And that the only shame actually lies in if you have non-consensually shared someone else's images. And it really does. I would hope so. This is what I was trying to do really takes that emphasis off the victim in that case and which is the way it should be. Um, like yes, to make young people aware. I mean, obviously like if I had my choice and I could just say to every young person, just wait, just wait till you're older, please, just in case. Because you just see where things, these stories have sometimes really sad endings and it's great trauma. But at the end of the day, they're they're developing sexual beings and they're expressing it in the world that they know. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's about teaching them, okay. If you're going to do it, just please be maybe take these safety precautions. But even even if you do all that, and if, if if it still ends up getting shared, it's still not your fault, mm. you know. Oh, well,
0: um, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah. And even you know, in, in that case, you know, I think. W- we have some great movements to getting good sex ed in schools in Ireland, um, hopefully from next year, long, 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 long overdue. But a lot of it doesn't necessarily look at healthy relationships. And I think, you know, it is really important to talk about um, things like, you know, abusive relationships, but also like, yeah, if someone does share your nudes, that is part of abuse and sexual Mm. violence. So I think we do need to really work to empower young people to name that for themselves. So you do talk about um, abuse, and, and control in the book as well
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so the final chapter is on relationships and it's on uh, romantic relationships sexual relationships um even relationships with yourself as well your kind of self relationship um yeah I, I just think that's hugely important and like you know yourself from working with young people there's so little time to cover so much and within intimate relationships I mean how many books are there out there on, you know, marriages, on dating, on relationships, like, you know, millions. So, and they're so complex, you know. Um, So I just really, with this chapter, I want to focus on maybe the key points that kind of were coming up and the key takeaway points, you know. So, around um yeah things like coercion and manipulation things like gaslighting giving them language to actually put on that which again i never had that language to me an abusive relationship was someone who was regularly beating up their partner which is only one one type of abuse Psycho, yeah, yeah. and to let you know just to reinforce it the research shows abuse does happen in young relationships it does happen in teenage relationships and it was tricky as a as a from the writing standpoint, because it was so much I wanted to say. And especially, you know, now that I'm training as a sex relationship coach, the way I would approach, let's say, you know, an adult relationship and the nuances and the complexities is a bit different to how I would approach teens, because, again, you want them to get the main takeaway points. They can come back when they're adults, reevaluate stuff and have more self reflection but there's not there doesn't feel like there's time for that now you know it's not being teased out enough yeah um definitely. with young people and then mm. they're kind of
0: just left to their own devices and that's not fair like you said it is happening um mm. so it is really really important to, that they do have that that kind of space but mm-hmm. even um you know you do have a section as well on breakups and i think that's really important mm-hmm. for young people as well to know to know how to break up well yeah. and to you know and, and know when it's time to break up as well and have the strength especially if it is an abusive relationship to be able to leave that relationship yeah. but even if it's a non-abusive one breakups are like hard they're really hard for a lot of adults it's hard for everybody it's like how do you do this in a way that doesn't necessarily hurt someone else or do you just like you know don't like cut up all your ex's clothes and stuff like that like that's like there's a whole spectrum out there and like so how do you how do you address the breakup part of things because yeah there's a lot going on there just on that bit
1: there is a lot going yeah. on and I just remember breakups at that age were like horrendous you know they were just so dramatic and because you're in a school as well so your social circle is Everybody so knows. small yeah. yeah Um. whereas now you could break up with someone and you mightn't have to see them like you mightn't ever see them again Um. depending on where you're living in the world so I suppose the way I approach breakups and many, many parts of the book, even when we're talking about genitals or anatomy, is kindness and it's empathy. And I know sometimes I can get a bit of a roll-the-eyes response of like, oh yeah, that's all lovely. But but I would say, no, that's actually at the root of good sex relationships education is always coming back to you know is this kind um what emotions am I having and how to deal with those emotions um how to ask for support um and that it's not about vilifying someone else there's not always a good person and a bad person you know just sometimes relationships just don't work out yeah. and it's that kind of theme as well God, especially when they're that young, I mean, at any age, but of hope, you know, that like, oh, my God, we know this feels so bad right now, but it will pass. Like, we promise it will. Uh, yeah. like you when you're like that the age, the
0: world is ending. Oh, like,
1: you like, can't envision. I don't think you can at that age. It's very hard to envision your life, you know, beyond yeah. this this relationship or this age, which is understandable, but
0: it's so yeah. like like yeah, and like like there's such pressure on like society is all about, like your first love is like mm. you know, your your real love and you'll never match your first love. And it's like <laughs> like no pressure there lads like you know that's that's really hard and like it's hard to even know what love is when you've never felt it before like you're trying to figure out I feel something but is this like officially called love it's like trying to figure out what an orgasm is when you've never had one you're like I feel something but what what's an actual orgasm and it's like we don't know
1: Like, yeah. And you're modeling, like, what are you modeling it off? You know, what is your parents' relationship like? What is, you know, what role models have you had around relationships? And, you know, a lot of us, not not to not to talk down on our parents, but, you know, a lot of us come from uh, families that, you know, there wasn't great um, examples of intimacy and of uh, help, maybe healthy relationships. A lot of people staying in marriages that they didn't want to stay in. And again, that comes back to the difference maybe between like if I was working with an adult couple and if we were talking about their, um, say, if one of them was being quite manipulative or something like that, you know, we might work through that. And where is that coming from? And what's the what's the underlying feeling here? And what's the underlying fear that's leading you to, you know, to act like this? But when it's young people, I feel you need to be so much more direct. It needs to be a bit more clear cut. If someone is manipulating you, that is not a healthy situation for you because they're at such a critical time in their development that you kind of nearly need to cut through the other stuff that, again, you can talk about later in life, because now just the trauma that can result of those unhealthy early relationships. I know I had them. They were awful 100%. like looking back they were so bad yeah. um and now that I've had years of therapy I can go back and be like yeah I can see I was an unhappy teenager and I therefore I had low self-worth I ended up in unhappy relationships but you know my hope would be that if, if even one teenager reads this and thinks oh yeah it's not normal that my boyfriend you know wants to know where I am all the time or it's not normal that my girlfriend shames me for not wanting to have sex then like job done you know
0: yeah I I think that's really important because like if you don't know what a red flag is it's really hard to spot it and like you said you know there's so many different forms of abuse beyond um physical abuse so if you don't know that you're just and, and like this is what really annoys me about sometimes about right? like pop culture stuff is that like we, we put up these like romantic ideals but like they're not romantic at all and my mm. massive biggest bugbear is The Notebook which has been held up as like this great romance film for ages and in it it's like the guy threatens to kill himself unless the girl goes out with him mm. and we're like oh, so romantic and it's like <laughs> no that is not romantic at all that is like coercion and emotional manipulation someone trying kill themselves because you won't go out with them we should be able to run a mile from that but Hollywood is like oh yeah that's so lovely it's so romantic five stars and he's like "Mm." yeah
1: no that's all right and I it's funny how you know we we talk an awful lot about the harm maybe that porn can do or if it's being used in a certain way but we don't talk about the rom-coms and we don't talk about the the twilights and the Hollywood fairy tale fantasy that you know leads us to believe again these really gendered pardon me for being so gender but you know that men are these have to be these you know pursuers and making lots of money and tall (laughs) and you know women just have to be beautiful basically that's just it you can just be beautiful and be quiet now and let yourself be wooed yeah.
0: Um, or have your yeah. no turn into a yes. This is one yeah. of my other book bears as well. Oh, yeah. That, you know, the, the girl will put up the. Because again, it's, it is gendered. Like this is mainstream Hollywood. It's very straight, you know, yeah. a lot of the time. And it is like, you know, the man will be the chaser and the girl will say no, 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 no. And then eventually she says yes. And it's like as if, you know, your yes is a, a prize to be drawn out of you. It's not. And it's like how many times you need to say no before someone's like. Uh, you know okay like just leave it like is is it repeatedly do you have to go after someone and it's like it's really hard then to you know translate that into real life of just going how are you meant to know this if that's all Mm. the role models you have where it's like yeah consent is something to be coerced out of you it's like Mm.
1: that's not healthy on about a million different levels like no it really isn't and you know we talk about that with sex obviously is that you know if someone says no, you know, 10 times, and then they eventually give in and say, yes, that's not a true yes. That is not a freely given yes. And, you know, why would we even want to be in a situation where the other person doesn't truly want to be in it? And, um, Oh, look, yeah, obviously it's so complex. Um, but, you know, I suppose that is very much covered in the book about, you know, because when we are in relationships, I suppose the big, the big struggle is is having that attachment to the person, having that intimacy and nurturing that while also holding on to our individuation and who we are. And that's the great struggle in life, I think, in many relationships. So it does speak a lot to holding on to who you are because I think, especially teenage relationships, they're, they can be very intense and they can be very much like all or nothing. you know. It's a crash and
0: burn, like it's just bright lights.
1: Yeah. yeah Yeah, I mean puppy love like that sounds way too romantic for me I was like yeah mine was probably technically puppy love but oh my god it was very intense like it wasn't there wasn't anything soft and cuddly about it it was actually really um awful (laughs) um but you know we live and we learn and we pass that hopefully that's why we're doing this work is we pass that that learning down and um you know some of it Some of it you're just going to have to experience for yourself as a young person. But again, even if there is something in here that just makes you that bit more informed um, and gives you that bit of comfort, then that's the goal, really.
0: Yeah, no, and definitely a, a very worthy goal to to be having mm. in the mix of things. And well, I think, you know, it, one thing that that stuck out to me, I suppose, is the section on cheating I thought was really interesting because cheating for a young person might look really, really different to someone who's cheating if they're, you know, married 20 years or something like that. Yeah. And now we have like the whole world of digital lives. So like, you know, is sliding into someone's DMs. Is that considered cheating? Is liking someone's Instagram picture? Is that like emotional cheating? Like what are young people feeling about the whole, you know, yeah, digital cheating world that is out there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there is an element of discomfort with it and fear of it. I think, you know, Instagram being so um, and TikTok and whatnot, being so image heavy and, and you know, so much based on, on how we look. Um, it can it can put a lot of pressure in the sense that, you know, I talked to young, particularly um Uh, teenage girls have talked to me a good bit about this funny enough that you know they hate when their boyfriend is liking and commenting on other girls bikini pictures or you know other girls like you know ass shots and stuff and you know what I, I get it like you know at that age it's Oh God, there's so much going on, and trying to regulate your emotions around something like that, and figure out right, am I jealous? What what is what what insecurities is touching on? You don't have that language as a young person. You're just like, why are you doing that? You know, why am I being a dick? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Um, So. Yeah, I think it is a struggle. And I actually mentioned in the book about, you know, having the conversation with your partner. I think I mentioned it. Sorry, it's been it's it's it took two years to write and then I took a break from it for a bit. But I think I talk about having that conversation of what is cheating, like what are the boundaries of this relationship? And especially um, considering online stuff, um, that is important to talk about as adults and as young people, because the definition of monogamy and the definition of infidelity very hugely and I was really aware writing that section that was a hard section to write I actually remember writing it and I remember thinking god like this is difficult because again if I was working with an older couple or a different scenario it would be it would be a bit of a different conversation would be nuance but again I was like what do they need to know what do they need to know okay you know basically you need to tell your partner like that would be my general, I suppose, advice when it comes to young people, um, because of the hurt it can cause, it. and just taking ownership, and that it doesn't mean that you'll always cheat. Once cheater, always a cheater is not true. You know that there's different contexts to cheating. Someone who just maliciously, kind of, uh, maybe not maliciously, sorry, but you know, some people do do it with absolutely no regard for their partner's mm-hmm. feelings. Selfishly, Whereas, I suppose. Yeah, yeah selfishly. It's yeah just about whereas some people it's that maybe they're more suited to um some kind of open relationship or maybe they shouldn't be in a relationship at all and it's complex um so I just tried to get across again kind of the main points of just you know being being gentle being kind um if you're if you're breaking the news to someone and um being honest you know if you can just because that because that person does kind of deserve to know um and deserve to either consent or not consent to be in this situation anymore with that knowledge yeah
0: that's a really that's a really great way of framing it yeah like it is a consensual thing of like do I want to be with someone who acts like this and some people have their reasons for staying in different kinds of relationships and that's that's their thing that's fine but yeah it's kind of complex and as you said there's lots of different relationships structures out there and everything else but the key is obviously consent and informed consent and education around things too so exactly Oh, like it's just yeah there's a, a bigger world out there and you not only have this book then you also do offer sex coaching to adults as well at the moment so you, you're branching out into yeah. the, the big bad world of being self-employed
1: oh um yeah slowly um so I'm not quite finished with my coaching certification yet but I will be in I will be taking clients for the coaching um in uh, April um, but at the moment I do kind of one-on-one, I suppose, um, I call them education sessions more so, um, because coaching would be another, uh, much more another evolved kind of, now. yeah, where I would be working with them for quite a while. Um, but yeah, no, it's really exciting. So I'll be, cause I have a background in occupational therapy, so I'm going to be registering as an OT and specializing in sex and intimacy. And I can't wait. I'm all, I'm really nervous, but I can't wait to kind of take the plunge and, and just do it. Um, And I think I really do think there is a great need for it because we have great psychosexual therapists, for example, here in Ireland, but there's not enough of them. And therapy isn't always the best option either. You know, coaching is is a different approach and it can suit some situations actually much better than therapy. So I'm really excited just to see how hopefully (laughs) the service I offer grows and um, how people yeah kind of react to it and engage with it I guess yeah I think
0: it, it's a fantastic resource and like you said like therapy yeah is is one particular thing and it works for others and it doesn't mm. work for different types of people and it's uh, like look it's a it's a complex world kind of out there yes. so what does a coaching session actually look like and I'm gonna start with the obviously you can myth bust that as well there is mm-hmm. no touching from you in a coaching session am I correct that is
1: correct for what (laughs) I am (laughs) offering I am a hands-off just to
0: clear that up
1: yeah yeah Yeah. but there are coaching services who do actually incorporate hands-on now it's fully consensual it obviously has to be fully consensual but that's not that wouldn't fit with what I would be doing as well under the occupational therapy framework I just um wouldn't and it's not where I'm at either what I would do probably um in a session if we were to do any touching and I don't even mean sexual touching I mean even if it's hand-holding it would be between a couple when I'm working with a couple and facilitating it um but yeah some people think sex coach you're like at the end of the bed like being like
0: yeah you do this and you do that uh, that's a great thing for others and I will have someone on the podcast down the line who does that as well as like sex surrogacy which is a whole different world as well and that is different I yeah. think it's important to always state those boundaries, you know, and even in those situations, any kind of touching is like supremely regulated. That's fine. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah is so it important. a case of like, you know, like, are they going through scenarios? Are you kind of saying here's what you could do in this particular situation or how does what, what's the, the realities of coaching look like for people? Because I can imagine it's a big step for a lot of people to take to go, oh, I'll go to a sex coach.
1: It is no it is absolutely and you know, I, it's very, I found with, with studying and, and training to be a coach that there's actually a lot of overlap with occupational therapy in that they're both very kind of practical. So, you know, a couple or a person comes to you and they have these issues and you tease out what the goals are. What is the ultimate goal? Where would you like to get with this? And then you kind of talk about your barriers and also, you know, your, I suppose, things that can help and, you know, things that can enhance um the process and make it, you know, easier. Um, but a lot of work on the barriers particularly and the shape it takes really depends on what's going on for the person so for example I could do sessions on boundary mapping um so where do where do boundary I will like gently push on a boundary and see where it shows up in their body and that's not even physical that would be me maybe asking them questions and we we tease out what works for them and I've been on because doing this training I have to do this in such a way where uh, people are coaching me as well so I've been on the other end of it okay. um, which is really good it's it's intimate work it, it it can be difficult but it's so rewarding and the amount you learn about yourself so say with the boundary mapping you're really learning about how it actually even feels in your body when a boundary is being gen- even gently pushed and um, we might practice offering each other boundaries um, we might do work on the inner child um, on maybe figuring out what our core desires are so I might lead them through a visualization where they can um kind of lie back and relax and start imagining certain things again how is that showing up in the body um, there's so much to it so uh, but it's always down to the client you know obviously everyone can say no I'm, I'm not comfortable with that um And that's absolutely fine it's figuring out what works for them um but yeah it's kind of it is quite practical in kind of figuring out okay what do you want to do is it that you want to have more pleasurable sex if you want to have more communicative sex um maybe has someone even has there been infidelity and you need to repair your relationship and it can come into so many different scenarios really yeah Yeah.
0: And I love that because, again, sex is always, it's more than just positions and you're not there going, all right, today we're going to work through position number 42. It's the emotional side of sex that, you know, a lot, most people struggle with because,
1: the positions yeah. are easy
0: enough to find. It's everything else that kind of goes along with
1: that. So absolutely yeah. the intimacy of it. And that's what's at the heart of coaching as well is um, and the somatica method I'm learning. It's it's all about intimacy and intimacy is the goal and true intimacy. Um, You know, I thought I had intimacy earlier in my life. And yeah, it was it was a type of intimacy Then I look back. I was like, oh, I wasn't really fully connected to myself back then or what I really wanted um so bringing someone through that journey is so beautiful and and so um so important I think there's so much scope for this work I think we often shut down our bodies and we don't listen we shut down our desires we we have to fulfill certain roles and therefore we can't you know if I'm a mother I can't also be sexual and all these all these things come in as your life progresses um so coaching is for any age well over 18 yeah. but any age apart yeah. from that yeah yeah,
0: brilliant like and it's just it's just fab to see that kind of service happening in Ireland with someone as yeah. awesome as yourself so that is fantastic <laughs> so I wish you the best luck going forward with that I think it's just such a great service to have and, and especially from someone who's very qualified and educated and has empathy Mm -hmm. i think they're the kind of the key Mm -hmm. factors when it comes to that so where can people find you if they want to and find the book as well so find you if they want to you know get on board with your work and buy your
1: book too Yeah. So, okay. So to find me really simple, it's just gracealice.com and there you'll find links to literally like my, my LinkedIn, my Instagram to book a session. Everything is there. I update it pretty regularly. So um, everything should be there for the book. You can go to sexualhealthwest.ie and you can buy the book directly from there. So it is at the moment it's 25 euro and that money goes back into the charity and delivering sex education so you know it's kind of like you're making a donation well you are making a donation to charity when you buy the book so that's kind of you know nice as well um and just for any parents or whatnot that buy the book as we said it is big but you don't need to read it cover to cover um you can pick up one chapter and read that one chapter and that's the way it's written so that you know because I understand it could look a bit daunting um facing into it, but, just take from what you need and come back to it. That's the way it was designed. That's the way it was written.
0: That's it. And even as ourselves, like, you know, it's hard to read a, a book all at once sometimes and take on all that information. So it's nice to be like dipping into things that are relevant uh, at that particular moment in time as well. So Definitely. Yeah.
1: It's fabulous.
0: Yeah. So brilliant. Listen, Grace, thanks Emil for um, coming along and chatting on the podcast today. It's just been great. And um, yeah, I'm really glad this resource is out there in the world. So thank you so much for doing that.
1: No, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, I can't wait to hopefully see some people in my practice soon Yay. for some coaching. <laughs> I
0: would definitely urge my listeners to go um check out Grace as well. And so yeah, and, and just treat yourselves to the gift of, you know, a, a nice space to talking about sex. It's always a really, really good thing. So treat yourself. It's January twenty twenty. Oh, yeah, we need treats we do. oh my god we do. the world we do. has just been so crap treat yourself that's <laughs> a good thing and thanks mill for listening and i'll chat to you next time